And now, Father, I pray, pour out your spirit upon us, Lord, that your word would be spoken this morning and your word alone received. For I ask in Christ's name. Amen. I was in a church class many years ago, a big class, 40 or 50 of us, and the, the rector was the teacher. And I was sitting next to my friend Eric, who was a federal judge. And the rector began the class by asking a question. He said, does anyone here ever have trouble with their tongue? And Eric leaned over and whispered in my ear. He said, only when I'm awake. <laughs> that is us, is it not? All of us have trouble with our tongues. We say words that we regret later, sometimes deeply regret, and wish we could take back. We occasionally speak gossip, harmful words about another. We say, say words even to loved ones that are hurtful and cause harm and damage. And then on the flip side of the coin, often we don't speak what's needed. Uh, words of love, words of affirmation, or, or the truth spoken in love, a, a word of correction when it's needed. We, we do damage with our mouths, with our tongues, both by what we say and by what we don't say. Last Sunday, if you remember that in the gospel, Jesus taught us that our basic problem isn't really the mouth or the tongue, it's our hearts. He said, taught, teaching to the people that our hearts are full of evil thoughts and deeds. It's what comes out of a man's heart that defiles him. Even our Christian hearts. You know, we're promised new hearts in the scripture when we give our lives to Christ, when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we receive new hearts. But they're not fully purified yet, are they? They're not fully sanctified. Not this side of heaven. And Jesus warned us that it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And since our hearts still have evil in them, they're not fully submitted, fully sanctified, what comes out of our mouths uh, at times, at least, is not beneficial, not helpful, but harmful. James, this morning in the epistle, recognizes the problem. He's writing here to the church, and he tells us that we should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, which anger being, of course, the source of some of our most damaging words, our words spoken in anger. Some wise person has said that's why the Lord gave us two ears and one mouth, that we would be quick to hear and slower to speak. And James says that our religion is worthless, worthless, he says, if we have not learned to bridle our tongues. And then you may be familiar with the book of James, the third chapter of James, which I think in the lectionary we come to in another week or two, the third chapter is all about the evils of the tongue. The tongue, James says in chapter 3, is a fire, a whole world of evil that resides in our bodies. He says our tongue corrupts us and sets our lives, the whole course of our lives, on fire. And the tongue is itself set on fire by hell, he says. Speaking to the church, it's a restless evil, he says, full of deadly poison, which no man can tame. So here ends the good news this morning. <laughs> now there is help for us fortunately there is help for us help for our hearts and help for our mouths as our reading our scriptures make clear this morning Isaiah the great prophet 
says that God will come. God will come and save us. The eyes of the blind will be opened, he said. Metaphorically speaking, he's saying we will see the truth. Our eyes will be opened. We'll see the truth, our need of a Savior. The ears of the deaf, he says, will be unstopped. Metaphorically speaking, that we will hear the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And the lame, he says, metaphorically speaking, again, those hobbled by sin and evil, we will leap like deer. The tongue of the mute, the one who had no word of praise for God, will, will be healed. It will, we will sing for joy at God's love and mercy and grace. Isaiah was prophesying there and, and, and richly throughout his book of Jesus Christ, God's Messiah. And so sure enough in, our, in the Gospels and particularly our reading this morning, we see that Jesus fulfills the healing prophecies given by Isaiah. They're all fulfilled in Christ who, as Mark records this morning, did all things well giving sight to the blind, opening the ears of the deaf, healing the speech impaired, which is all of us, so that we can praise the name of Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying that Jesus' miracles were just figurative or, or uh, spiritual only. They were physical healings. They met real physical needs of hurting people, and they're also true spiritually. They're also true metaphorically. His miracles represent and demonstrate the spiritual healing that Jesus brought to us, that he offers to us, not least of which is the healing of our mouths, our ears, our vision. So how does it happen? How, how is it that we receive, you and I, the healing of hearts and vision and ears and mouth and tongue? Again, we see it in our scriptures this morning. There's a clue in the sequence of the miracles. God starts with opening the eyes, giving us spiritual vision so that we can see our sinfulness and our need of a Savior. And then he moves on to the ears, healing of the ears, opening our ears so that we can hear the gospel, hear and understand the good news of Jesus Christ. And then, finally, the third, then comes the mouth. Where we're empowered now by the grace of God to speak plainly and say, Jesus Christ, I'm yours. Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior, and then we can sing forever of the grace and mercy of God, the word that we have received, which is Jesus Christ, the word incarnate. In other words, as James says, we can receive with meekness. We can receive with meekness. Knowing our need, we can receive with meekness the word implanted in us. The King James there says, engrafted in us. Meaning, Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, now imparted to us, engrafted, implanted in us by the Holy Spirit, living within us, dwelling within, and also the word of Scripture which gets into our hearts, and as Hebrews says, it penetrates 
even the dividing soul and spirit joined in her, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is what's implanted in us, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And as we grow in that, in our relationship with Christ, through the implantation of his Spirit and his Word, then we can do what James says and begin to put away, leave aside the filthiness of our hearts and the rampant wickedness and begin, as he says, to bridle our tongues. And, he says, we can begin to retain the Word. How do we, how do we remember the Word of God? How do we retain it? James has got a suggestion for us. He says, by being doers of the Word. Doers of the Word. Now, since I'm speaking to Episcopalians, I need to explain that this is not capital D-E-W-A-R-S. <laughs> this is doers, D-O-E-R-S, right? Doers of the Word of God. Doing the self-sacrificially loving acts of Jesus Christ. Visiting the needy, the orphans and the widows, and the, speaking the truth and love even when it's difficult to do. Being witnesses, as the crowd was in, in Mark's Gospel, witnesses so overcome with what God's done that we can't help but proclaim. There's healing available for our hearts, and particularly for our mouths. So I want to leave us with a question this morning. What words do we have within us, you and I? What predominates in our hearts? What is really engrafted, implanted in us? What, in other words, what words are we speaking, you and I? What words are we doing? Is it the word of God that predominates in our hearts and in our lives? The, the word of Jesus Christ enthroned in our hearts, making us new by the Spirit of God, helping us put away the filthiness, the as the King James says, the superfluity of naughtiness that we have in our hearts? Is it the Word of God, the Scripture, Holy Scripture? Is that what predominates in our hearts? The Scripture which has the power to judge our hearts, to reveal to us what's really there to correct and teach and rebuke and train us in righteousness? Or is it our own words that predominate in our lives? Words which by long experience we have learned produce damage and hurts, and strife, and all the rest. If your, if your life is like mine, it has too much of our own words, and too, le too little of God's word in us. And you know what the answer to that is? You know how to overcome that, right? That problem? Just, just try harder. Work harder. Come to church more often. No be laughing. That's not the answer, folks. That's never the answer. It's never to try harder. The answer is prayer. The answer is prayer. We, we don't make these changes in ourselves by trying harder. We make, we change, we grow in Christ's likeness by prayer. We ask God. First of all, we pray to accept him as Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, that's the starting point. Jesus I take you as my Savior and Lord. And so we receive the gift of salvation and the impartation of the Holy Spirit. And then we pray for a fresh infilling 
Suppose we've given our lives to Christ, but things seem a little flat. We don't seem to be able to bridle our tongues and all the rest. Then we pray for a fresh infilling of the Spirit, a release of the Holy Spirit's authority engrafted in us. It's, it's, not a, it's not a coincidence that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, read about it in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament, one of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of tongues. And I don't know what you've heard of that gift or what you think about it, but think of it this way. It is the release of the control of our mouths to the Lord. That's a good idea when we're struggling to bridle our tongues. Prayer for the discipline then, the work of the Spirit within us to give us the discipline to be able to study and, and, and internalize the Word of God, that Holy Scripture, we might become fluent in it. That the scripture, we would so know the scripture that it would be the first thing on the tip of our tongues when we're faced with any crisis, any situation. And finally, a prayer that God would open our hearts and make us doers of his word. Doers of Jesus Christ, allowing him to live out his life through us. And doers of the word of scripture. This is, as you know, Rally Sunday, and in a few minutes, in a little while, we're going to be fed a wonderful meal. We're also going to be presented with a chance to sign up to find out about many of the opportunities that are here at, at St. John's in this coming fall. Uh, small group fellowship, Bible studies, uh, service projects, all kinds of things to be involved in, all of which are geared toward helping us to know Christ better and to live out his commands to have his word foremost in our lives and be servants, doers of the word. So I encourage you to pray the prayers and, and come and, and join in the fall activities that we might, as a congregation, grow together in being the doers of God's word. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the healing that you offer to us Thank you that you've already moved in our hearts that we might know you and accept your truth. Give us grace, Lord, this day and this fall to join in the work of your church. In Christ's name.